First Class Sailing, Take the Helm. I'm Kerry Herford-Jones and it's my pleasure to bring you another of the First Class Sailing podcasts. And today I'm joined by another guest and this time it's Alexis Eyre. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. My pleasure. Alexis, I think it's important to just set the scene as to who you are and what your background is for sailing. Um, so I live on the south coast of the UK. Um, I actually moved here because I wanted to join the marine industry about seven, eight years ago. Um, so I've actually worked in the lights of... Um, sort of some of the yacht design companies down here um, which has been quite fascinating but actually my sailing well, I say my sailing career um, I sort of started on sort of wooden wayfarers when I was about seven years old trying to capsize them which they wouldn't because they're so sturdy they um, down on one of the many estuaries in Devon and um, I did bits and pieces down there and um, my parents were both big yacht racers when they were younger um, and so I suppose there's always been the sort of love of the sea. Yeah. Um, but it was actually, I suppose, sort of did on and off through the next sort of 15 years. And then it was actually university where I really sort of got into sailing. I sort of joined the, the, the university sailing club and got into yacht racing. And we did these amazing sort of trips up, um, sort of adventure trips. I suppose it was the first time I really sort of discovered that actually being on a boat meant that you could have visit so many places you can't visit mm. by land or, or is much more difficult to visit by land. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you are completely self-contained as well. So mm. I think it was quite a big sort of learning curve having always been on dinghies. It was just a magical sort of sailing around the Clyde in Scotland. Wow. Um, yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. And we sort of did race training up there, but we also did quite a lot of like just social weekends. Um, so it was, I think that was where the sort of love really started to kick in for sort of what you could do on yachts and yeah. what you could see and also what you can only see at sea, which is what I try and explain to people, you know, at, at work when I come back mm. from a weekend away, you know, I'll be like, gosh, I saw phosphorescence under moonlight somewhere. And they're like, that is not your normal weekend. <laughs> <laughs> just... And that's the thing. If they, if they haven't seen it for themselves, it is very difficult sometimes to get that across. And I think that's what makes sending a pretty unique kind of pastime hobby you know leisure activity doesn't it it does and i think once you i mean i always love being with someone who's never seen something like phosphorescence or dolphins in the bow wave before be with them for them to experience it for the first time because you yeah. kind of almost want to relive it over and over again and although you know it's still magical every time i see it it's almost seen it through those sort of virgin eyes again that's just actually mm. really sort of special and you sort of feel like mm. gosh I've managed to get someone else to see it as well now. Sense of achievement almost from doing that and clearly that's inspired you kept you motivated kept you connected to the sea but you you clearly had a hunger to do more. Yes I mean absolutely and I I think it what really happened I sort of as I said like I was at the university and then I kind of dropped off for a few days moved to London kind of did other bits and bobs and actually, I moved then to Australia, and I worked on the ex-Whitbread boats out in the Whitsundays, okay. sort of being a hostie on wow. backpacker boats, which is not the most glorious of jobs. It was a connection, but, Alexa. It was a connection. It, it was a connection. <laughs> and it was, um, we sort of did like three-day trips and taking backpackers out. And actually, some of the things that I loved the most about that was at sort of six o'clock in the morning before anyone else was up. And... I used to jump off the boat and just swim on the Great Barrier Reef completely wow. by myself for an hour. Wow. And I'd be there with the turtles and the Nemos. And I just, it was so, I don't know, again, it was, I think you'd never see from land. Mm. And it was just so amazing. When it came to you that this was what you wanted to do? 
Yeah, and that's when I was like, God, I'd like to love to work in the marine industry. So I came back to the south coast in the UK, waited for a break in. And while I was doing that, within a sort of couple of months of coming back, I still had never been at sea at night. I'd still, you know, I'd only done some day sailing. Okay. And I don't know quite what happened, but I ended up on a boat and suddenly I was doing the fast net. And it was the first time I'd ever been offshore in my life. That can't just, that doesn't just happen. They don't just walk <laughs> in the pub one day and go, Alexis, you're doing no. the fast net. <laughs> It was quite literally that I did one practice race, which wasn't, um, it was only about 18 hours. So I did a bit of overnight there, right. but then, and then I went into full blown four and a half days offshore in full race mode, Goodness. um, which was quite a baptism of fire, but it, I mean, that was the first. And then again, as I said, it was, these are the kind of things when you first see stuff that you've never seen before. I mean, we had a particular night we were like 15 knots, kite up, starriest sky ever, booming into the silly isles on the way back for the fast net rock wow. and suddenly we had phosphorescence pouring out the side of the boat wow. and then suddenly the dolphins joined and so the dolphins had these sort of tunnels of phosphorescence and then they would leap and land I mean it was literally like something out of Life of Pi the film um, and I just couldn't get over it I just couldn't stop smiling I was like oh my god and that and I think that combined with trying to find a job I was like I'm sold I, you're in I have to do I have to do more of this I just this is you know and it's also the people you meet everyone yeah. who sails they have this wonderful sense yeah. of adventure like yeah. they you know, if they don't wash their hair for 24 hours, they really do not care. It's true, though. I mean, that's and, and again, you know, people don't get that. There is a kind of uh, a way of people looking out for each other, supporting each other, just being kind and nice and just all those lovely values that in some way, shape or form, we seem to have lost sometimes out in the bigger world. Still alive and well in the sailing fraternity. Oh, I mean, so much so. And I think I can see why, you know, some people do it to try and improve their teamwork skills because you, especially on big boats, you rely so much on trust of other people because you can't do everything yourself. And so you have to work as a team to do that. And that alone makes you so much closer, yeah. even if you're with people you really don't know very well. Yeah. You sort of come out of it. With something you can't quite explain <laughs> you soon do after a couple of days at sea that's for sure well exactly you know and as much as sailing is the most wonderful thing it does have that sense of danger much like skiing and you know sure. paragliding and all those other things sure. but actually if you're with the people that you trust then you actually there's a sort of wonderful sense of you know sort of coordination and mm. kind of uh, putting trust in someone else and actually being okay with it yeah it's yeah. rather sort of wonderful and like you know you sort of start to realize now that i've started skippering about um is that <laughs> how much you rely on a skipper that you don't really realize at the time and suddenly you're there and you're like oh god everyone's now looking at me to sort of decide the responsibility <laughs> wears heavily on your shoulders but you take yes. it but but you know let's face it when you're skippering a boat it, it's safety first safety first and safety first and you want yeah. them all to have a great experience you want to get the best out of the boat but you want them to have as you've already alluded to a couple of times a really safe enjoyable experience that they're going to go away and if you like raise the balance of sailing themselves and become ambassadors mm. for the sport yeah absolutely and i think having been with a lot of people like on boats you've never been before i mean i've hardly met anyone who hasn't gone god that was cool yeah. <laughs> that just, you're not on a boat you're not on a boat out of not wanting to be on a boat um so yeah. so uh fastnet you did you ticked the box there yeah. somewhere down the line you decided then that wasn't enough yes so i then I suppose then I got into full, I, I joined this amazing crew and, and then it was through them I just did a whole 
you know, I've done years and years of offshore racing with them mm. and just grew this love for being offshore, basically. And then it was finally when I was sort of in the gap between two jobs and my mum had sailed the Atlantic when she was much younger and I'd, I've just always wanted to do it since I was a kid. I basically, I'd missed, I'd missed the section. I'd mi- My job ended after everyone had left the Caribbean, which was a bit gutting. And I sort of hunting around everywhere to try and find some way of coming back and that's when I you know um Charlie from First Class Sailing got in touch with me and said actually we might have a solution for Ah. you and he basically said we've actually got a boat coming back from Antigua so you will be coming the other way but you you know you're still very much you know aligned with your time frame to be able to get back for the new job and sort of we spoke a bit more about you know the kind of people that were going to be on board and um and i was sort of um skip i'd already missed the sort of practice weekend which was a shame um because it sounded like they actually got a lot out of it even how you know the boat functioned but that was okay because everyone else on the boat had actually been on it so actually there's one person not knowing that wasn't quite it wasn't over critical and then usually you weren't skippering at that particular moment in time no exactly (laughs) was that (laughs) and that was a that was one of the challenger boats wasn't it Yes, that was one of the challenger boats. They just took it out of Portsmouth and it sounded like they had an amazing time. So I think everyone else went on that. And then I, so actually it was was quite amazing because I'd only spoke to Charlie sort of mid-December and I literally was leaving. And then I literally just went, do you know what? I'm going to make a full trip of this. I knew I had a ski trip booked beginning of February and that was something I had booked in for ages. So I was like, I'm going to work around that, work backwards from that. And so I just literally left on Boxing Day, went out to the Caribbean, had a wonderful two weeks out there with some friends, exploring Guadalupe and Antigua. And then I joined the boat and it was quite sort of surreal because I hadn't done the practice weekend. And I think if anyone was going to do it, definitely do the practice weekend okay. just to sort of meet everyone beforehand. Yeah. But I mean, I was unbelievably lucky with the sort of wonderful people I met. And I sort of, I sort of took a taxi out to Jolly Harbour and I was like, this is my crew. I'm going to be with them for the next three weeks. <laughs> and they're looking at you going, what on earth? She's turned up. I didn't even bother to do a practice weekend and here she is. It was pretty much like that. And I was kind of dressed in kind of, post party gear after new year's <laughs> eve and I, I sort of it was all a bit of baptism fire but it was absolutely amazing and sort of you know we spent sort of two days we didn't actually take the boat out but we did you know neil the skipper was just fantastic and just taking us through we did drill after drill of what happens if someone falls overboard sure, how to sure. get them on board like all kinds of stuff and you know and then we went on the major trip of stopping the boat up for Few weeks we were allowed to sort of put ideas in and sort of meal plans and everything which is quite amazing when you're trying to think of two weeks of meals for 15 yes. people yeah, it's, actually yeah, yeah. Quite diff- it's quite different to your sort of <laughs> couple of day you know a sort of weekend over to france and back it's very different to some two weeks for 15 people yeah i mean you, you can be a bit, bit adventurous to a limited degree well and and um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing i've learned from all these podcasts and anybody that's done the the arc or any of the atlantic trips is that there is a signature dish uh, for most of the crew. Did Do you have one? Well, I mean, how do I admit this? We didn't check the tinned vegetable section ah. before we left, which was stocked up. But we hadn't actually checked for it properly. And after five days of running out all the fresh veg, we realised the only thing we had on board for vegetables for the next eight days was tin sweet corn sweet corn and oh my god i never wanted to see sweet corn again i mean i can just about eat corn on the cob now but it became the absolute running joke like we added it to like I mean, just the weirdest things and to the point where we were like 
Do you reckon you have sweet corn in your bread with oh, some jam? Oh. I mean, it was just, it was, um, and, 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 I God, I mean, when we arrived, you know, in the Azores, the first thing we ever did, we to dive into the restaurants and some people had sort of burgers, but everyone, we just had these massive bowls of like salad and vegetables going down the table. People were just like, oh God, we've missed you so much. Anybody wants some sweet corn to go with this? No, 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 you're okay, you're okay. Oh, you were literally, I mean, it's it's one of the funniest things and I think when we wrote the blog, like everyone commented on it when we finally got back to the Azores and started touching base with families, they were like, Wow, nine days of just sweet corn. <laughs> and of all the of all the things, of all the things he could have been. For it, yeah, should, exactly. Which, you know, let's um, face it, you get a lot out of. Um, uh, well, hmm. um, so let's <laughs> let's look at some of the other highlights from the trip because the weather was quite interesting, wasn't it, to say the least? Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, we were just unbelievably lucky, I think, and it was in in the respect that first of all, it was we had a skipper who's done it the transat a lot in both directions he just said at that time of the year he'd never seen weather like it I mean we had sort of 13 and a half days of bright blue skies so we had these amazing stars every single night bar one half night when we had clouds and we were like what is going on here (laughs) unbelievably spoiled and we just we were in shorts until literally two days off the Azores so I mean it was really quite amazing and 20 knots over the deck yeah sort of 15 20 knots over the deck well it went up to about 30 35 on one day but actually in those challenger boats it's I mean they're so hard they're so seaworthy that you actually sort of 30 35 knots you're kind of Yes, you definitely can tell there's pressure, mm. but you're not sort of, you know, you, they can definitely deal with it unbelievably well. The crossing was, was excellent. You were t- shorts and T-shirts almost in, uh, into port. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm not at night time. Definitely, you definitely could tell you were heading sort of east through that and further north because you definitely at night times, you're definitely starting to get into full Fowleys. I think what was so amazing as well was that the selection of people on board as well. I mean, they are just some of my best buddies now. Um, oh, that's great. I'm like the younger sister to all of them. They're sort of like, there was just, it was 13 men and me and Chloe. <laughs> and it was just, it was just amazing. I mean, we were just like, I mean, me and Chloe were split up into, you know, so we had one girl on each watch. And sure. I just adored my watch. I absolutely loved them, as I did the rest of the crew. But sure. obviously you get to know your watch the best because that's yeah. who you're with for the whole time. So when it comes down to it, the first class sailing way, if you like, of giving some thought to the mix of the crew and the characters and all the rest of it. I mean, that just, it just works for, as far as you're concerned. Yeah, I think what was so nice about it was it, it was a sort of range of sailing experiences there. You know, you had people who owned yachts and then you had people who had never done longer than sort of six, seven hours on board a boat before. So, I mean, it was right. real sort of mixture of experience you know and I found that quite amazing people had never cooked on board before and it was it was really quite amazing um but it was amazing to see those journeys start to to come for everyone and you know there was just so much laughter around because you have to laugh at things that are just so ridiculous (laughs) like you know the poor you know few people that just couldn't find their sea legs for the first few days and there was a lot of sort of trying to I just always remember Howard trying to wake um one of the other team members up from the other watch um he literally we went over a small wave and landed in the bunk pretty much with this poor guy and that was the first time he had woken up and was literally just like oh my gosh is this a wake-up call or what? <laughs> and howard's really tall so he's you know he's got a solid frame so it was quite an introduction so highlights for you. Give me, give me one or two apart from the sweet corn, obviously. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's a, a highlight. I just, 
I'd say that is something that you'll probably never forget. <laughs> give me give me your two biggest highlights from that trip as far as you're concerned, Alexis. Um, I think my my watch are unbelievable. I just think they are we are as solid as we are. We have been. We meet up every few months still. That's We're always great. in touch. They're just amazing. I just think they just absolutely made the trip. Just could not stop laughing. For most of the time, whether we were doing aerobics on board with our safety lines on to, I don't know, there was, I mean, there was so many highlights. I think there were some things that sort of became weird. Like I loved, I ended up getting obsessed by making cakes at like three o'clock in the morning. There was something about being below. Okay. uh, Making tea for the rest of the crew while making a cake and just having that sort of respite you know, for sort of half an hour below. Made you very popular, I would imagine. Yes, and actually the off watch were like, it's really weird smelling cake being cooked at like four o'clock in the morning. And it became my, instead of sort of witching hour, my caking hour, they always used to Brilliant. laugh, but to sort of wake up in the morning to a cake on the side. So I think there were sort of all kinds of things. And we, I don't know, I just, I just think we just had, um, it was all, all kinds of things. I mean, it was amazing. I think the other thing I sort of really realised, and I wouldn't say it was a highlight, but sort of observation, is actually when you're right in the mid-Atlantic, I thought you would be seeing whales and dolphins the whole way across and everything. But actually, when you're overseas that deep, you you know, they are actually around where, you know, where there's a lot of food and the food doesn't come from two and a half thousand metres below. So it's actually quite interesting that actually uh, sort of whales, whereas always, you always have birds, which is quite mm. amazing. Um mm. And they sort of almost become, you sort of, everyone gets really excited. You're like, oh my God, it's a bird. <laughs> and everyone We're not wants alone to see after all. <laughs> We're not alone. <laughs> and it's really quite amazing. You sort of all, um... and then we sort of had this pod of sperm whales come past, which when we spoke to the whale wow. specialists and the Azores, they said it must be females because it's only females that hang out together. Yeah, it was, um... and I think, you know, you always love dolphins. I think yeah, dolphins who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? So... Uh, if we're making uh, a conclusion here, we're going to just pull this together. Thinking now about anybody considering uh, making a commitment, getting getting stuck in and expanding their nautical horizons, what would your recommendation, what would your words be to them? I definitely, living it through the people, the, the variety of people I had on board the Transad, I would definitely say if you were thinking of doing something like that, to I think doing things like a day skipper, you know, competent crew in a day skipper would be really good before you set off. Yeah, it's not absolutely obligatory, but I definitely think if I think a sort of if you want to do a transat, and I think it is, I think everyone should do it. Actually, I think it really it brings you back down to something that you because you you don't have Wi-Fi, you don't have anything like that, you don't have reception, you are. You're so far removed from everything that you you just learn to love the sort of basic routine of life again. It's really extraordinary. It is literally, you know, eat, sleep, sail, repeat over and over again. <laughs> but you look forward to each stage all the time. It's really amazing. Like you sort of, you find this huge fascination in cooking and you can just watch the sea for hours. Yeah. So I think, I think it's just... I, I do think everyone should do it. I just think it, it, it really does sort of bring a whole new sort of perspective on life. But I do definitely say that if you're going to do something like that, definitely to get some hours in beforehand, just so it's not quite a shock to the system when you do get there. Yeah. You know, go off and do a bit of things, maybe even just do a sort of a couple of mile builders, you know, yeah. going off down to Devon or wherever, yeah. um, just to sort of get some 
miles under the belt. I mean, that makes you more makes you more connected to the boat, the crew, and probably get more out of the experience as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing, and I know, I know racing's not for everyone, but I do actually think even if you just do racing with them a couple of times, mm. racing as well just gives you that because it's so much pressure on teamwork. You really appreciate it when you're in the cruising perspective yeah. of how much because you're sort of forced to do that. And I think, you know, those kind of things, I think, having a sort of combination of both if you can. Final question from me is, what next? Well, I'm double-handed with my boyfriend at the moment, which is an experience. Um, <laughs> she, said, and... she said through clenched teeth. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually get along unbelievably well. And we actually are really good. We actually work really well together. Um, I think, as I said, like the, the, my biggest issue is that I'm really competitive and he really isn't. <laughs> I really want to do well and he's just thrilled we finished the race. So I think we have, we've sort of got to work on the levels there. Um, but I think the sort of long-term plan will definitely be to head off around the world. I mean, that oh, is wow. just, just desperate. I'd love to do the Pacific. Yeah. I, I really Gosh. think that is the sort of next, the next biggie. But... I think there's just so many places to explore, isn't it? And I yeah. just think my boat is the best way to do it. Right. <laughs> and you said it right at the very beginning. It's seeing the coast, seeing land, seeing the sea and in different lights with different eyes. Um, Alexis, we, yeah. we could talk for hours. It's been an absolute delight talking to you today. And, and I'd just like to say thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely, my pleasure. And um, thank you very much. Business On Board with Carrie Herford-Jones.